Amen. Okay, turn one in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. For those of you that may be just joining us, we've been on a series called All In, which I very much enjoyed, but it's a study in the book of Acts. But the heart of this series is for us to emulate the things that we're reading and studying about. See, God has never intended for us to just become biblically literate so that we could pass a Bible quiz. But instead, he sent his word in order that we would live in accordance with it. Now, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so I want you to look at, like when you look at the scripture, it's not just for you to gain more biblical information. Because the Bible says that whenever we just simply listen to God's word or just read God's word, but we fail to put it into practice, that there is a deception that takes place. And the deception is that we think just because we've learned something about God and how we're supposed to live, that somehow we're, we're good, like that that's all that's needed. But taking that approach, guys, it's no different than us showing up to work, knowing how to do our job, but never actually doing it. And then later expecting to get a paycheck at the end of the week. <laughs> How many of you know that that ain't going to fly with your boss and it ain't going to fly with God either? God sent his word to bring healing into our lives, but we must apply it. And the way we apply it is by doing what it says. It's not just for us to be informed, but it's for us to be transformed. And so as we read through the book of Acts, the purpose of this study is to cause our lives to become more aligned with the things that we're reading about. And if we'll start living like those that we're reading about here in the scripture, then we just might start to see some of the things happen that happen to them. Things like people coming to know Christ everywhere they went. And seeing the kingdom of God advanced at every turn by God using people to do things that were otherworldly, that were miraculous, like things where people are healed and, and hearts are turned to God. Because all of this happens, guys, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, just a reminder of Acts 1.8, but we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And then he's called us to what? Be witnesses to go out into the world. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. That's, that's Jacksonville. That's Florida. That's the United States and then Indonesia, right? That's what God has called us to. But all these things happen that we read about here in Acts is because first and foremost, God's people were filled with the Spirit, but then they became obedient to do all that God directed them to do. And they weren't just things that they could have done on their own. For the record, like for example, Peter's courage came about not because he was formally educated, but because he said yes, and because he was obedient in doing all that God instructed him to do. Ananias was instructed by God to lay hands on Paul so that Paul would have his sight restored to him, but Ananias didn't have the ability uh, to restore Paul's sight, yet God worked through him to restore Paul's sight by the power of the Holy Spirit as Ananias was obedient. Church, I want you to write this down. 
a ton of study and reading won't produce an ounce of what obedience will. Listen, I'm not discounting the importance of study. Like, we should study. Are you with me? As a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us in 2 Timothy 2, 15, it says to study and, and do your best to present yourselves approved to God, a workman tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Like it's our study that leads us to be obedient to the things that his word tells us to do. And I put such an emphasis on this right here because I feel like there are far too many believers that they know what they're supposed to do. They're just not doing it. Church, may that never be true of us. Like, may our actions be congruent with our faith. Amen? Okay, you should be in Acts chapter 9 by now. Let's start with verse, how about 32. The Bible says, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, and he came down to the saints who lived at Lydda, there he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now, pause here for a minute. I want us to just consider all that we just read. Peter comes along. Sees a need, and in this case, the need was for physical healing. And Peter addresses that need in the name of Jesus, right? He addresses it in faith. God meets the need. And then the Bible says that as a result, all the residents of Lydda and Sharon turn to the Lord. Now, let me just pose a few thoughts for you guys to consider. Peter sees a need, tends to the need, and as a result, everyone turned to the Lord. This just causes me to ask a question. How many times are there needs that are all around us? And if we will just take the time to minister to those needs, not only will God work through us to meet those needs, but also others will then come to know God as a result. Now, if you're sitting out here thinking, yeah, but pastor, I, I can't heal anyone. Well, neither could Peter. God simply used Peter to pray and to lay hands on Aeneas, and the Holy Spirit did the healing. You see, guys, we're supposed to be like conduit. Do you know what conduit is? There's conduit all through these walls right now, and it's just a vessel. And you see, you can't see that conduit, but it's there. And that's what God has called you and I to be, conduit, vessels for his glory. I think that too many times we think that God is a respecter of persons when the Bible clearly says that he is not. You see, Peter had the same Holy Spirit that you and I have today. And I know that there are a lot of denominations out there that reject the thought that God still heals today. But friends, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God still heals just like God still loves God still forgives, and God still saves. Hey, God's power doesn't have an expiration date. Now hear me on this, because I know that there are a lot of questions as to why some things happen when we pray and why other things 
don't happen. But watch this. Our job isn't to sit around trying to figure out those answers. Our job is simply to do what God's word instructs us to do. And then we trust him with the outcome. But what we're talking about here, this isn't just limited to healing. I love how God's word, it sort of lays out for us a blueprint for us to follow. Like, here we see Peter seeing a need, and he simply ministered to the need. And friends, there are needs all around us. There are needs, right? I promise you, you're going to, before you even get out of this theater, you're going to see a need. Before the day's over, you're going to see a need. You're going to wake up Monday morning, you're going to see a lot of needs, right? And here's the thing. If you will minister to that need, God will do his part. And moving on their hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps we will see someone's eternal destination changed. Because guys, there are people around us every day who need to know about Jesus. Who need to hear about the gospel. The question is, will you minister to that need? Or will you just pass and wait and think, well, that's the pastor's job. That's the missionary's job. No, it's our job. Let me pick back up what we read there in verse 36. Verse 36 says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Pregnant moms, those of you that are looking for a baby name, you're struggling to find one, that's a good one for you right there. (laughs) My art teacher's wife name was Dorcas. It's a true story. Anyone know someone named Dorcas? She had a difficult life. I'm just going to say that. Don't, don't do that, parents. Um, <laughs> Bible goes on to say she was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since little was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, he took them to the, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. I think there's so much that we can pull from this encounter. I'm going to keep my message short, but I want to just hit just a couple of thoughts in regards to what we just read right here. First of all, like, this is the first place that we see someone being raised from the dead in the book of Acts. And again, Peter is the one that we see uh, doing this incredible miracle. But I want us to consider... All that led up to Peter having the faith, even believing that it was possible for for Tabitha to to, to arise. I mean, like, at what point did Peter even believe that that could happen? Well, let's just do a quick recap. In Acts chapter 2, Peter gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit... I know a lot of people that would love to lead you in the power of the Holy Spirit because you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, what's that do for you? It will do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. 
Are you with me? Hello. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to quit being seeker sensitive about talking about the Holy Spirit as if he's cousin it because he is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the... Yes, he is God. Acts chapter 2, Peter gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And immediately afterwards, this is the same guy that was just a coward when you flip a few pages back at the end of John and says, I don't know that guy. I, I don't know who he is. Not me. Surely not me. And even says it to a servant girl once. But now, all of a sudden, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He stands up courageously and, and preaches the gospel to people that are from all over the world at that time. And he preaches the gospel, and then he sees 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. How many of you believe that right there is going to encourage a preacher's faith? Like, I get excited when I see three or four people, you know, just raising their hand. Like, 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Then in Acts chapter 3, Peter's with John, and they're on their way up to the temple to pray. And the lame beggar, he asks alms of Peter. And Peter says, well, we don't have any money, silver and gold, have we none? He says, but what we do have, like, we, we'll give it to you. And then he tells the man to stand up and walk in the name of Jesus, and the man does. So Peter shares the gospel. People get saved. Then he, he, he speaks healing over this lame beggar in the name of Jesus and, and witnesses this miraculous healing. Afterwards, Peter gets arrested in Acts chapter 4. And he's questioned by the rulers and the elders. But then Peter speaks with such power and conviction that they had nothing to say in opposition to Peter. Then in chapter 5, Peter witnesses what happened with Ananias and Sapphira, which you know had to have instilled a, a holy, strong, holy fear. And he watches people continue to get healed, even to the point that his shadow would fall upon some of them and they would be healed. Then Peter has an angel come and break him out of jail to the place then to where um, we're seeing more and more people's faith stirred and his faith was, was being stirred. And now in chapter 9, God uses Peter once again to heal this man named Aeneas, which leads up to the end of the chapter where Peter is now presented with Tabitha. And for the first time, now he's presented with a dead body. Now, I mention all these things because I want you to see the sequence of events and all that Peter had experienced leading up to this moment. Peter had been faithful with many other things before he arrived at the place of believing that he could speak to Tabitha and tell her to rise. And in our life, we must be first faithful with the little things that God has called us to before we move on to the bigger things. You know, Jesus taught us in the parable of the talents that it will be um, those then that are first faithful with what we've been given. And then God will give us more. And this is a point that the body of Christ needs to hear because everyone wants the bigger things. But God is saying, I want you to be faithful with the little first. You see, God has called us to go from faith to faith, just like he's called us to go from glory uh, to, to, to glory. But that growth happens as we exercise what God has already given us. No one's going to walk right into the gym and throw three plates on each side and expect to bench 315, right? 
You've got to first exercise what you can do, what God has given you, and then God will then add to it. Like, for example, maybe God just wants you to start up a conversation with your neighbor about Jesus before you go out and try to raise someone from the dead. I'm just saying. Like, you don't have to go and hold some big tent revival before you can do great things from God. I'm just suggesting that we do the first things first. Because there are things that we can all do. Like, for example, you can muster up the courage by praying in the Spirit. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith, Jude 1.20, and allow your courage to arise in such a way that you could then go and start a meaningful conversation with someone about Jesus and share the gospel with them. And I just want to take a minute, if I can, and I, I just want to testify a little bit because I had something really awesome uh, happen this week, and I want to uh, share it with you. Um, I have a neighbor who is 89 years old. Uh, he fought in the Korean War, all right, just to show you his age. And he was a state trooper, Florida state trooper, for many, many years. And um, he may be watching right now, Walter, proud of you, man. But um, he was one of the, I've lived next to him for 10 years, one of the toughest, uh, hardest son of a guns I've ever met, <laughs> okay? Um, I tried sharing Christ with this guy so many times, and every time I did, I just kept hitting a brick wall. Um, but how many of you know that we never give up on people? I mean, aren't you grateful that someone didn't give up on you? Well, this week I, I stopped, was driving by, rolled my window down, and talked to him. And then he brought up something, and I found an opportunity. There's opportunities everywhere if you will look for them, church. I'm telling you, God will use a little simple how about the weather, how about them jags, I mean, to, to get in an open door. But we got to talking, and he always reminds me that he's 89 years old. And he says, well, Chris, you know, he says, I could die any time. And, um, and the reality is we could all die at any time, but at 89 years old, you, you certainly could. And, um, and so when he, he said that, whenever he brought that up, um, can I just say that I could have easily said something like, nah, Walter, you're probably going to outlive us all. Or... I could have thought to myself, oh, man, here's an opportunity, but gosh, I've tried sharing Christ with this dude for the last 10 years. He's just going to go ahead and reject me again, but thankfully I didn't. I asked him, I said, well, Walter, I said, are you, are you ready to die? I said, because the moment that you breathe, your last breath, the scripture says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the moment you breathe and the moment that you and I breathe our last breath we are going to be faced with eternity, and we are going to stand before God. And so I presented this to Walter and said, Walter, what are you going to do when you stand before God? He said, you know, I've been thinking about it. I said, I think the thinking is, is over. I said, I think it's time to do something about it, don't you? He said, I think so. I said, let's not think. I said, how about let's do something about it? He says, yeah, I'm going to pray today. I said, how about now? And he looked at me, he said, yeah, now. And I got to pray with Walter. And he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Come on, somebody. If you can't thank God from that, your heart is cold. 
Walter came up to me um, the next, he drove, walked up to my house the, the following two days afterwards, and, um, and he cried every time. I didn't think that man was, like, capable of crying, and, um, and he just kept crying. He goes, darn it, Chris, and he said, darn it. I was like, I thought he was going to say something else. I mean, I was like, it's what I normally hear, hear, and he's like, darn it, Chris, I've been crying ever since we prayed. I said, yeah, he goes, yeah, and he looked at me. Now, this is someone who's not churched. Someone who does, I, has, I haven't fed him what to say. He said, everything has changed. He says, ever since we prayed, everything has changed. By the way, can I just throw this out there for anyone here or online? If you've not fully accepted Christ, everything changes. Like I'm here to tell you, and I, I, I can even try to share with you like my best pep rally speech to get you to come to Jesus. But it's once you taste and see that the Lord is good that you'll experience what I'm talking about. Because I could sit here all day long and try to bring up some good apologetics and tell you why you accept Jesus. But it's not until you surrender that you're going to experience it for yourself much like Walter did and say, everything's changed. The old's passed away. He doesn't even know that yet. All things have become new. Amen? Now, I mentioned this for you or to you for several reasons. First is because Walter, given his life to Christ, was a miracle. Because becoming born again is no less a miracle than healing a lame man or raising the dead. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Church, if there's ever one thing that I could ever get you to do outside of praying and reading the scripture, it would be to tell others about Jesus. Can I just tell you that this miracle of salvation, it's something that God has called us all to. I said it earlier, but it's not just something that he's called the pastors to or the missionaries to. But the reality is each and every believer has the personal responsibility to help fulfill the Great Commission. Now, I got to say, church, I believe that as we are faithful in sharing Christ with our community, that we're going to begin to see some of the other things that we're reading about here in the book of Acts. Now, let me segue to uh, another thing that stands out to me from what we read earlier. I want you to notice that whenever Peter is taken into the upper room where Tabitha's body lay. Peter sent everyone outside. See, I think there's something for us to learn here. As a matter of fact, Jesus did the same thing in Matthew chapter 9, right? Now, why do you think he did that? You ever thought about it? I think it's pretty clear. He only wanted faith in the room. The Bible says that there were widows there. And they were just weeping and, and, and showing Peter the, the tunics and, and, and the garments and the things that, that Dorcas had made, right? And, but Peter had a different focus. His focus wasn't on the things that she had done in the past. He was focused on the present, and he was focused on her future. Now, I mention this because in life, there will be voices that will come along to try and distract you. And that will cause your focus to be on something other than what God said. Voices that say things like, your dreams are dead. You can never do that thing that's in your heart to do. And oftentimes, those voices, they, they come from those who they, they themselves have given up on their dreams. And so, since they've given up 
on their dreams. They're going to try and convince you that you should give up on yours as well. See, I think that this story serves us in a symbolic way in that those voices are voices that you need to distance yourself from. Listen, church, life is too short to be constantly fighting the devil and people that you've willingly allowed to come in who's going to distract and to discourage you. You need to put up a no vacancy sign to those voices that aren't speaking life. But watch this. Because there's not only the voices that we hear with our ears, the external voices from others, but there are also internal voices that we need to distance ourselves from as well. Church, I'm talking about that internal dialogue that we allow to take place in our mind. See, I found that discouragement is a conversation that we have with ourselves. And too many times we listen and entertain those internal lies when what we need to do is speak truth to them. Are you with me? I'm talking about refusing to believe anything that goes against the truth of God by speaking the truth of God. See, God has already spoken his promises to you. Now you need to speak them to yourself. I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes you've got to put yourself in place. Sometimes you've got to say, self, God isn't finished with me yet. He isn't finished with the work that he's doing in me. I may not yet be who I want to be, but praise God, I'm not who I used to be. He's still doing a work in my life, and he's also still doing a work through me. And while we're having this conversation, self, might I remind you that I am the righteous heir of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. I am more than a conqueror. I am bold as a lion. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My mouth is filled with good things. I've been redeemed from the curse and everything that the curse represents. My body is whole. My mind is clear. My finances are blessed. And I have no lack. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. I am a child of God. This is how we fight our battles. Come on. We praise him and we declare and speak forth life by speaking the word of God. We stand upon his truth. And some of you guys, you need to speak to some of those voices that you've been listening to. I'm talking about speaking to those dead dreams that you thought were long gone. Hey, it's time to resurrect what you thought had already passed. As a matter of fact, I hear the spirit of the Lord saying, he's been saying it over and over. It's time to dream again. Catch it. Catch it. It's time to dream again. And when you dream, don't dream based on what you can do. Dream based on what God can do. Can I just tell you what he can do? Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him, talking about God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think according to his power, which is at work within the pastor, the missionaries. Come on, you. 
God wants to blow your mind. You've got to, it's time, it's time to dream with God. I said it's time to dream with God. You already got the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't even try to come up with what you think you could do. Say, God, let's dream together. Some of y'all need to set a date night with God and say, God, let's dream together. Because if I start just dreaming without you, then I'm limited because my dreams, they're limited. But God, whenever I bring you into the picture, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. And so, God, how about let's just dream together. Some of y'all need to dream with God. Let me leave you with this. I told you today it would be short, but it's going to be sweet and to the point. See, I believe that there's many of you that are here that you have lost hope on the dreams that you once had. But you need to remember that God doesn't start things that he doesn't finish. Oh, some of you need to hear that. I said, God, I hope I catch every one of your eyes so you know that I'm talking, that God's speaking to you. God does not start things that he does not finish, folks. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 70, 80. I don't care what what gender you are, what you say, I can't do it because of my gender. I can't do it because of my race. Let me tell you something, man. Blow the box up and allow God to be God. Allow him to do whatever he wants to do in and through your life. Faithful is he who began a good work in you to bring it about to completion. And when God does that thing through your life, I said, when God does that thing through your life, everyone will know that it was indeed God who did it and brought life to it. As it happened in Acts 9.42, the scripture says, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Church, don't give up on your dreams. Hear me. Don't give up on your dreams. There is a world that needs to see God's glory through your life. I know that some of you think that your dreams are, are too big for you. That's okay. They're just the right size for God. I understand that some of you may be tired. I recognize that for some of you, you've been waiting for a long time. But I want you to grab hold of God's promise in Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O oh Lord, endures forever. Some of y'all, you just need to just declare that every day. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O oh Lord, endures forever. Church, because his love endures forever, we can trust that he will never abandon the work in our lives, but he will fulfill everything that he has promised. We've just but to not lose faith, not lose hope, but rather continue to trust his love. Trust that he is who he says he is, that he is the great I am. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me if you would. I'm going to read that verse one more time. 
It says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. So whatever you have done in your life and how many ever times you have done it, if you think that God has ran out of mercy, well, can we just go ahead and settle it right now? The scripture says that his mercies never come to an end. Since they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Here's what I want us to do, two things. First and foremost, I just want to ask, who is here this morning? And maybe you are like my friend Walter. Maybe you have been presented with the gospel for years. And you've been throwing up your rejections and reasons why. It could be those of you here in person. It could be someone online. But listen, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Look at me. Every person, no one moving around, look at me. Each and every one of us, one day, we're going to breathe our last breath. And the moment that we do, the scripture says that when we are then absent from the body, because how many of you know that when we die, it's not the end? Friend, this life is a vapor. Then we're faced with an eternity. And I've got to tell you the truth because I, I love you and God's called me to proclaim truth. Whenever we breathe our last breath, we are going to spend eternity in one place or the other. You don't have to believe me, but you better believe it because Jesus has clearly told us that no one comes to the Father but by him. The only way we get to go to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. You say, why do I have to put my faith in Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible says because all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And the only way that we can get that sin removed from our life is through the sacrifice that Jesus made by offering his life on the cross. And his blood then, his spilled blood, and our faith in what he has done, we call that the atonement. It then covers that at one with, right? The atonement, right? Then we can be forgiven, and we can have the promise of heaven. But watch this. There's another place. It's called hell. And hell is a place where people can, if they want to reject God's salvation by giving and offering his son, they can pay for their sins on their own. Because that's what hell is. It's a place where people can choose to pay for their own sins by going to hell. But why in the world would we ever do that? Because God, he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God is willing that none would perish but that all would be saved, that all would be forgiven. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good if you've not, my friend. I want to give that invitation just like I did to my friend Walter. And if you say, man, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to take that step of faith. I'm not asking you to take a leap of faith. I'm asking you to take a step of faith. Recognize that you're a sinner. And if you don't recognize, an atheist will say, hey, no one's perfect. <laughs> no one's perfect. We've all got sin in our life. And only Jesus can remove it. If you want to put your faith in him, I want to invite you right now to pray and to accept him as your Lord. It's, it's a decision that we make. It really is. God has given us this thing called a free will. He says, choose this day who you're going to serve. You're going to serve yourself? You're going to serve your boss? Wouldn't that be a terrible life, right? You're going to serve the celebrity, serve sports, serve alcohol? What are you going to serve? Choose this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. 
If you want to serve the Lord and you want your house to serve the Lord, would you invite or would you join me right now as I invite you to pray with me? We're going to pray this simple prayer of surrender. Pray it out loud, saying of God, join it in with me, especially those of you who you're not in relationship with God. Right now, let these words come from your heart. Pray this out loud, Lord Jesus. I confess my need for a Savior. I'm in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God for our salvation one time? Yeah, praise God. Also, let me just, uh, one more thing I want to pray for, and that is really just for hope to be restored, faith to be reignited, and for the love of God to saturate every part of our being. I know that today's message is predominantly for believers, and I do pray that today you will begin to dream again, that you'll begin to hope again, and that even as we read about these wonderful stories in the book of Acts, to know that God's not finished. Like, God wants us to continue. I mean, that's, if that's 1.0, man, we're over here on, we ain't even on 2.0. We're like on 5.0 right now. You know what I mean? Like, God wants us to go from glory to glory. He wants to do great things in and through our lives. And so I just, I pray that over you because I could feel the weight of it as I was preaching today's message that there were so many of you up here that you've kind of been in this, this place of limbo. And, and, and there's some of you, oh, I feel this prophetically for a moment, there's some of you, there's something you've been believing for, but, but in the meantime, what can you do? In the meantime, what has he called you to? And understand this. Preparation is not lost time. I know that you may feel like, well, I'm in this kind of holding pattern right now. Look, you know this, the thing about a holding pattern? You ever been in where they said, well, they've got us up, you know, in a holding pattern for a period. You know why? Because they know that there's something down below that's got to be worked out before they can land. And maybe it might not be that God's doing something necessarily in you, but something he's doing in someone else. And he's working his grand plan to bring it about. But in the time being, do what you can do. Use what's in your hands. Are you with me? Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you that, God, you are restoring hope in our hearts, God, that you are igniting within us, Lord, a fire, Lord, for your name and your renown to be made known to the earth, starting here in Jacksonville, going out to our state and our country and to Indonesia. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you have called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. We thank you, God, that we are the righteous hour of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your anointing, God, that breaks the yokes of bondage, Father. I pray, Lord, that as we go forth from this place, that we will be the salt of the earth, that we will be that city set on a hill, that we will be the fragrance of Christ, both to the believer and to the non-believer. So we thank you for it. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done in and through our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.